I'm Dean Wilson. This is Good Life. We're going all over the world on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and we're locally on TV Santa Barbara here in Santa Barbara, Channel 17, and we're grateful to have you with us. I have two really special ladies with me today, uh, Grace and Debbie Fisher. Welcome. Thank you for having us. It's great to have you. It's great to finally meet you, Grace, and um, it's a pleasure to have you here. I wanted to start with just talking a little bit about your family and kind of maybe Debbie you could start your family or um, your husband and kind of the road uh, up till now. Okay well I was uh, born and raised in Santa Barbara and my husband was born and raised in Thousand Oaks and we had a very typical family um, for for many years. Um, we, we met in physical therapy school so we're both physical therapists my husband and I and um, we graduated from college and we got married and we had Gracie first and we loved to go to the park. We loved to go to the beach. Um, we lived down near Thousand Oaks for the first 10 years of our, of, our, um, of our family life together. And then her little sister Emily came aboard and she added uh, some new dimensions and I loved Gracie so much when she was born, so I was so scared when my second came along that I felt sad because I thought maybe I wouldn't love her as much, but I did. You do. <laughs> it's funny how that happens. <laughs> you do. I, you know, just as much love for both of them. So we had a really happy life together, um, doing typical things that a, a typical Southern California family would. Yeah. And what kind of activities were you involved in or yeah. what did you like to do? So my sister and I were both very active, and um, I started dancing when I was in elementary school all throughout um, high school. That was kind of my sport. And then um, I started playing piano when I was around five. Really? And then cello in sixth grade, and then finally guitar in high school. And so I was very, um, very much an artistic brain, so. Wow. Yes. And, and so you were uh, junior or senior in high school. Yes. Um, and, and there was a medical emergency. This is now 2014 we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So you're dancing and playing music and a regular high school kid. And what happened? Yeah, so this actually all went down on my um, 17th birthday party. So it was the first day of winter break and my my real birthday is November 20th but we decided to celebrate it a month later because because we were all just so busy with college applications and stuff so it was um, December 21st the first day of winter break and um, around 3 p.m. when my friends were starting to arrive I began to experience this awful pain in my neck and um, tingling in my arms and it was a pain that I'd never felt before. It was a super sharp pain and um, it was really scary. And so I told my mom, mom, something is going on, something really wrong. Um, we need to go to the emergency room or we need to call 911 because something is not right. Um, so probably within around, uh, around 15 minutes later, um, I lost the ability to walk 
so it progressed. 15 minutes? Yeah, 15 minutes. So the time it took to drive to the emergency room and that amount of time, I, I lost the ability to walk. Um, and then that evening, um, I could no longer breathe on my own. And so it, it, it progressed that quickly. And when I was in the ER, I really had no idea how serious it was. I thought that the doctors were gonna figure everything out and then I'd just go back to my birthday party. So I was like in the waiting room, like asking my mom to take pictures. I just thought it was kind of comical. Like, of course I'm in the emergency room on my birthday party. Like, I just didn't understand that this was gonna be something that was gonna change, change my life. So you're in the emergency room, 15 minutes, she's, she can't walk. What are they telling you or what, what, what's going on at this point? I saw the look of fear around me, really? not by Grace, but by the emergency room doctor. And it's a small town. I knew who he was and there were no words spoken, but I could see by the nurses' faces, I could tell this was serious. And so my response was, I was trying to control as much as I could in an un uncontrollable situation. Um, so in the emergency room, I was trying to control everything that I could in an uncontrollable situation. So there was a little bit of blood that I saw on the, the bed that she was lying on and I immediately got antibacterial not, wipes Not off. my blood. Not her blood, somebody oh. before us. But I started wiping it down and I tried to control everything I could. I wanted the bed to be clean and I was listening and I was trying to do everything I could. Yeah. But at the same time, I was quietly praying inside because I realized this was not a situation I had any control over. Yeah. And then what's day two, what's day three? I mean, she's in there, they're testing blood work, they're, are they telling you? So they were giving us the options of what they thought it might be. Um, transverse myelitis, Guillain-Barre, and then it was about day two or three that um, a new neurologist came in and he talked to us about acute flaccid myelitis. And when I heard that, he said, there's a new diagnosis called acute flaccid myelitis. We sent Grace's MRIs to Texas to Dr. Greenberg and they laid the MRIs on top of one another and Grace's spinal cord looked like these other cases of acute flaccid myelitis. And when they said that, it made sense to me because Grace was flaccid. As a physical therapist, I'd seen, I knew what that word meant. She had no tone, no spasm. She was completely flaccid. There was nothing there. And in the early days, she was so flaccid that she couldn't hold up her, her head. She was like a newborn baby where you had to support her head. She, she could not even hold up her head in, in the hospital. Oh my goodness. So they um, eventually said she was the 101st case of acute flaccid myelitis in the United States and they started a bunch of different treatments to try to do something with her and towards the end they said we're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater and we're going to give her this um, chemotherapy agent and they just just give it gave everything they they could think of to try to um, help her situation. Wow and so they were trying to stop further progression. Right, and try once once it kind of it appeared that it paused or stopped, they were trying to give her things to improve her function. Um, 
and she went on a round of plasmapheresis. And I do think that, you know, was it the stage of when she would get a little improvement or did she actually improve? I'm not quite sure. Wow. Um, but she has improved. She can hold up her head and she ha can, can, um, has her voice and yeah. she can eat. And there's a lot of things that she could not do in, in the beginning. So you went to Colorado, you went to the Craig Rehabilitation Center? Yeah. And what was that like? Because I, re I read on your blog, I think, or somewhere mm -hmm. today, you really thought everything was going to come back. Mm -hmm. I did. Mm -hmm. And then at what point was it where you realized this wasn't coming back? Or uh -huh. what was that Denver, that Colorado experience like? Yeah, so you hear the word rehab. And I thought I was going to go there and get better. Um, and I really didn't think of myself as a... Um, spinal cord injury either because I didn't do anything to cause to cause this injury to myself so um, I got to Craig and all the people there there were amazing they um, they really cared and it, it felt good to um, to be cared for in that way and but it was probably around maybe the sixth week there and they started to you know say okay what color are you going to want for your for your wheelchair and these long-term questions and I was like wait color for my wheelchair I thought I was going to walk home not like need a need a wheelchair and so that was hard to hear yeah definitely and um but at the same time, no one there ever told me I was never going to walk, never going to walk again. So I think I never really had had anyone give me those. Um, yeah, I never had anyone had anyone had anyone tell me I wasn't going to walk again. So I think a part of me still might believe that I. I too will walk again. I'm never going to give up that hope. Yeah. It just is definitely not as quick as I was hoping. Yeah. Did you have a community of support around your family or how, what was that like? I mean, what, how did the community respond? Um, the community in Santa Barbara was amazing. And when we got to Denver, the community there was amazing. Um, because everyone's connected. So people in Santa Barbara called their friends and their neighbors and people they knew in Denver. So I really oh. felt like through this process that we were really supported. The day before she got sick, she um, played guitar and sang at a Christmas party for the Firefighters Association. And really? so the Firefighters Association put on a fundraiser and with that money, we got a van, an accessible van for her. And um, the associate pastor um, at our church had a good friend in Denver that he called and they let us use their car. Now, I don't know if they knew how long we were gonna be there. We were there seven and a half months. Oh. We used their SUV the entire time wow. we were there. Wow. And um, people took us in and they checked on us and um, people would visit and I'd say thank you so much for visiting us it's it's so thoughtful we barely know you and there were quite a few people that said you know we don't 
come in here for you. We come in here because we feel profound love within this room. I didn't always feel that way. I was scared. <laughs> I was scared and I didn't always feel this profound love that was holding me up, but that profound love was holding us up because I was, I was walking and I was able to be there for grace in a way that I don't think that if you would have told me I had to do this, I don't think that I would say I would not be able to do it, but right. I did. Right. And we're still doing it. Right. It's, and so th this is like a new life. I mean, and how, so it's, we're five years in almost. What's it like? I mean, obviously it's very difficult and there's been huge challenges you faced, but then I read about what you're doing and your foundation, which we'll get to in a second and all that, but what's it like now? Or how, I mean, how would you characterize this new life that you were kind of forced into? Um, yeah, so I think prayers carry you in many different many different ways and I, I heard all the time that you know we're praying for your family we're praying for you and at first I was like okay I, I hear this all the time that I'm being prayed for but yet I'm not I'm not getting any better but at the same time our family was so supported in so many different ways and and I re really never went through a deep depression or or anything, my soul was always very, very much positive, and and I and I felt I felt good, and so I feel like those prayers were maybe, maybe just presented in a different way than I was expecting. So maybe they help sustain you. Is that kind yeah? Of, uh huh. Yeah. And I still feel that way. I still I still feel like. I'm, I'm, I'm being supported every day. Um, so I don't know if that really answered. Yeah. And you've, you, you must have, you must be, have gotten really close to your mom. I did. Because you guys are probably always together. Our, our family has, has always been close. I've always been close with my parents and my sister, and my sister, but I think this is definitely definitely brought us closer. Um, you know, one of my blog posts I talk about, um, my mom and I read a book together and it asked, like, ask, ask whoever's, whoever you're with what their favorite flower is. And it was, it was like, if I was at college, I would never be asking my mom, like, what? What's your favorite flower? Her favorite flower is, yeah, so we're learning we're learning new things about each other every day, and and I'm really grateful for that because I don't think a lot a lot of um, kids my age really have those conversations with their parents. Your household now, I mean, is that do you have is there do you have help in the house? Is it how, how does how does practically how does this change your family? What's it like? Well. Um, you know, December 20th, 2014, she was super independent. And one way our relationship has changed is Grace would never sit still. She would never sit down next to me for more than five minutes. She couldn't sit through a movie. She, she was always on the go. She had five piano students. 
Um, she had a cello student. She was always doing something. She, now she's stuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the first year we, we, had, we were in a hospital um, and Grace, nobody, uh, she was never left alone because she could not push a call button. She, she couldn't really hit her head with the call button anyway. So we were always with always her. Together. And so when we came back to Santa Barbara, our house felt so big because I was used to the, I was used to living in one bedroom with her and my husband eventually had to come back to go to work, but he, but we would switch off when we first got to Denver. He'd spend a night with her, then I'd spend, we'd switch off. One of us would stay with the little Emily and the um, family housing and the other one would stay with Gracie. So when we came home, the house felt big and it was scary. And I thought that we would have a lot of nursing help. I thought that we would have much more support than we we did. And I was scared and I felt alone, but Craig Hospital gave me the tools to take care of her. And I just knew what I, I had to do. And so I just, just kept, you know, it's like becoming a physical therapist. You have a knowledge base. That's what you do as a therapist. And my knowledge base changed when we were at the hospital. There were so many functions. I mean, I had to get her, I still do get her on and off a ventilator every night, really? every morning. She's on a ventilator every night. And that seems like second nature to me. Her little sister can do it. Um, but of course, at first it was really scary. Yeah. So we've had intermittent nursing and that is something that we um, struggle with, but I feel like we're in a really like blessed state right now. I played beach volleyball this morning and I'm grateful for it. And so if, when we have nursing, I, I try to get out there and I try to do things um, to kind of fill my well and give myself a little oxygen. And then when we don't have nursing for whatever reason, um, because somebody gets sick or whatever, then, then, I, then I have the tools that I need to take care of her. And, I, and I'm blessed to be around her. She's really positive and, and not everybody would take it so gracefully. <laughs> so. Yeah, you have the right name. Yeah. <laughs> how do you stay positive? What do you think about? I mean, what, how, how's your attitude what it is? Honestly, a lot of it has to do with uh, my family and the people that are around me. Um, I, I don't think I'd be as positive as I am without without such an amazing family. I mean, and friends. I have a really great group of friends too. And so I think that's that's really sustained me. And, and I think I really try to keep myself busy. So I'm, so I'm not just like sitting, um, sitting around feeling sorry for myself. Yeah. Because that's easy to do too, um, so. I really try to stay busy. Yeah. How has your perspective changed just in life? And full disclosure, I mean, you know, we have a brain injured daughter. It was very diff different than this in that Ella Claire's injury happened in the womb. She had a stroke in the womb. So we never knew a different life than what we have with Ella Claire. It was, she was born with brain injury. And so, uh, and yet, even though it happened in the womb, we had a perspective change <laughs> and life changed. Um, and I could talk about that for a program. Maybe I'll interview myself someday. You should. But the, lots of good things and have, have come from that perspective change. But I'd be interested to hear your, 
How has your perspective in, on life changed since this all happened? After uh, living in the hospital for seven months, when I came home, Grace and I would sit and, and look out the living room window and we'd say, Grace, look at, look at the hummingbird. Look at the bee that's in the flower. And I always had an appreciation for nature, but I think that the appreciation we have for the beauty that surround us, beauty in nature, but beauty in people. And it's very easy to say, oh, why hasn't that person you know, I thought that person was close to us and they haven't been by to visit. It's, it's very easy to go down to the path, but Grace helps me. Like, you don't think about that. Think about the practical stranger that gave us their car for seven months. You, you have to kind of keep yourself in a perspective of positivity. Um, and, you know, one of the things that we talked about early along is it's so painful to look at the past and it's scary to look at the, fu the future. So you have to live in the present. So my perspective of truly trying to live in the, in, in the present, right. that, um, that has, um, has probably been the biggest change. Yeah. yeah. But I still get anxiety over my younger daughter who stays out late. Like you'd think like after something like this, that maybe you wouldn't have anxiety with your other kids, with other things, but you still, you still get it, right. <laughs> you know? Right. So I want to talk about the Grace Fisher Foundation, um, and I was I was reading today on, on your blog, which by the way is a great title for a blog, SavingGraceSB.com. So I'd encourage our viewers to go to SavingGraceSB.com. But you, you talked about in one post about redefining possible, and I think with the Grace Fisher Foundation, working with special needs kids, my understanding is you're bringing in the arts music, art, and dance. Talk to us about that. Where did this come from? Um, and what is your vision for the Grace Fisher, Fisher Foundation? Yeah, so when I was at Craig, um, the phrase redefining possible, that was posted everywhere. That was on their bridges. Um, that was kind of their catchphrase. And um, when I was there, they introduced me to art and music therapy. And that was really a good way for me to get out of my head. Um, out of thinking about, you know, what I'd lost and, and what procedures might lie ahead. I was really staying in the moment. And that was really important when you're going through a, a traumatic change like this. So um, that was where I was introduced to music and art. And I just realized how much it helped me when I was there, and I wanted to bring that to other kids in Santa Barbara that also might be dealing with a disability or a special need of, of some kind. And um, so that's really where my idea came from. And you paint with your mouth. I do, I paint with my mouth, yeah. That's that's so I put amazing. a paintbrush in my teeth and and I paint and at first that was really a good way for me to strengthen my neck and at that at that time at Craig I was like oh I have to go to another physical therapy session like it was just something that I really didn't look forward to but with with art it was a, a good way to, for me to strengthen 
what I did have without thinking about it. Right. So doing something versus just sitting there and thinking about what you've lost. You mentioned what you've lost was was good for you. Yes, definitely. And then you also can do it. You can paint. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, thank you. And are you teaching? So on the art side, you'd, you'd have a special needs group? So we host art workshops. Okay. Yeah, so we have, we use the facility at um, the First United Methodist Church. They have a really great facility. Okay. There that we host our workshops in, and um, I think the last time we had it, around 100 kids showed up. Is that right? So, yeah. It was All special needs or just some? It's combined, but mostly mixed. special needs. But mixed. it's mixed. So we, we wow. say kids of all abilities. And so, and so it's a mix. Yeah. And um, the functions like the, the picnic at Tucker's Grove, it was picnic and, and art. The families came. And the nice thing about that is that um, what I'm hearing from a lot of the parents is they have a place that they can take either their special needs kids or they're typical kids, but not a place that everybody has something to do. Right. And so I think it's been really powerful to have the families come together yeah. and meet one another. And yeah. um, and it, it, you see how small the world is. Um, one of the gentlemen that came, he said, you know, you and I went to high school together. I, I didn't realize a father and I had gone to high school because we, we, Gracie and I both graduated from Santa Barbara High, but me quite a few years <laughs> before. and. Um, and he has a, a, a daughter um, that loved the day of art that Gracie provided. And so kind of re- reconnecting through her, her days of art and her activities. And then and music. So what does music look like for you now? I mean, or how is that part of the foundation program? So before, before I got sick, I was supposed to go to music school. So I played piano, guitar, and cello, and that's what I wanted to do with my life and um, I always I always thought that music was going to be a part of what I was going to do for the rest of my life. It was my passion and when I lost the ability to, to play music that was really that was really hard um, but technology has really made it possible for me to compose music so yeah. I'll be going to school for that in the fall. Really? Music com- composition. composition yeah. Yeah. Wow. Is there anything online that we can find and listen? Or um, I have stuff on my on my YouTube channel. Some on YouTube. What yeah. Is your YouTube channel. Called? I think it's just under Gracie Fisher. Gracie Fisher. Yeah. So I want to encourage people to give to the Grace Fisher Foundation. I'm assuming private donations is kind of how you. And so I want to encourage folks to do that. Our, our foundation is going to be involved with that. And I think it'd be great for people who are listening to watching to, to give to that. Because that sounds wonderful. You know, special needs is such an interesting thing. And we're a special needs family now for 17 years. And I think it, the, the suffering and the intensity and the emotion, you know, somebody once told me it's kind of like having a bomb dropped on your family in terms of it affects everything. The finances, the future, the emotions, the marriage, the other kids. The, I mean, it, and I think it can send you in one direction or the other. Mm-hmm. I think it can blow it up, mm-hmm. and I've heard that 80% divorce, or I think it can take you to a whole new level of depth and love 
and perspective change. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And your family seems to yeah. have gone. And it has to do absolutely with your saying with the perspective. I remember apologizing to my husband saying, I'm so sorry, I'm not being much of a wife. And he said, you're much more of a wife than I ever thought I could have because you're taking care of our daughters. See, I, I, you, you're only one person. You can only devote so much attention. So he has to be on board about the bigger picture right. to be on board with that because I wouldn't be able to give him as much attention perhaps as right. I once did. You can't. I can't. And, and on that note, you've, you've, your life's changed in, the, in this process. And one of my theories is I think that we're never more alive than when we're giving our lives away. And of course, the scripture talks about no greater love than when you're laying down your life for your friend. Have, what have you experienced in that way in terms of joy or what in, in the process of kind of turning in your life as you knew it for this new adventure of laying down your life for grace? When I was a little girl, I remember my grandmother taught me a prayer and she said, you know, when you are, feel lost, you know, just ask the Lord to guide you, you know, God lead me the righteous way. And I just remember just mumbling that throughout this, this experience with grace. And I feel like I have been lifted and I have been given great peace. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this happened December 21st around Christmas. I had such a profound sense of peace that I know did not come from me. It did not come from me. It be, came from all the prayers that were being poured towards us and God's love was still there amidst such tragedy. Yeah. And you talk about perspective and joy. It was such a high to watch Gracie dance and her piano recitals, being a madrigal. What a great honor to be in madrigals. This the highest choir that I, I didn't get near that when I went to Santa Barbara High. Those were such highs watching that. Many people, it might be soccer, their kid gets a goal. For me, it was her performance. And I always knew that her positive energy and her light was such a gift. And I always would say, you know, gosh, God, thank you for her positive energy. I'm so grateful for her effervescent energy. But after all of those physical talents were stripped away, she still has her positive light. That, that is great joy. It gives me great joy to see that she still has that light within her. And I think that what other parents can learn from you and I who have had children with difficulties is that there's something that is far beyond what their physical capability is. Right. Good point. Yes. And they need to be loved and they love us. And truly, that is the most joyful thing we can yeah. experience. Yeah. I had a friend tell me once, the spirit is deeper than the cortex of the brain. And there's, I can see it all over your smile, all over your face. You have this glow, you have this joy, you have, your spirit's probably never been more alive, even though your body's struggling. And I, I see the same with Elle Claire. You know, there's just a, a spirit, a joy that she changed our life. She changed our family because of that. She's not running marathons but she brings that and that's it's an it's an incredible gift. I wanted to to mention this and so I you know there's this balance for special needs families where 
you're, today is the focus. You really can't do much about tomorrow, and you, you don't really want to miss, maybe necessarily think about yesterday, and we have today, and we want to get better, and we want to, I want you to get better and have your, the best experience you can have on earth. I want my daughter to get better, you know, because we, we want that to make life better on earth. But I, and I, not but, and I also read this scripture today from Philippians 3. It says, but our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a savior who will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. And I wonder if you ever think about a new body and the, the, the truth and the hope of that. Do you ever think about that? Is that encouraging to you? Yes. I do think about that. Um, but at the same time, I, I only see what's right in front of me. So yeah. that's a really hard concept to fathom. Um, but I do think about, about about that often. And we have, so one of my, one of my old doctors, he comes over and reads the Bible to us on Fridays and um, he will bring up concepts like that that really make me hopeful for for heaven and for my next life but but all of those concepts are really hard really hard to to understand especially when um, when we're living on earth and this is really all we know right so uh, my faith is always growing and I'm always questioning it um, which I think has been good for me in the long run. Yeah. Well, you guys are an inspiration and we look forward to partnering with the Grace Fisher Foundation and um, it's really encouraging to meet you and hear your story and and I think it'll be encouraging to a lot of other people too. So thank you. Thank you for having us. So I want to thank Debbie and Grace Fisher for joining me today. I, I want to say to anybody at home who might be a special needs family or know a special needs family, I hope this has been encouraging to you that there there is life, there is joy that can come in the middle of suffering. There's hope, and uh, we hope it's been an encouragement to you. So wherever you are, God is good. You're good, and this is Good Life, and we'll see you next time. It's all